Well, let me just say that if you cut every single moment of this interview with me, here's the one piece I would love you not to cut. <laughs> Look up your representatives, figure out who they are, put their numbers in your cell phone, label them whatever you want. And if you get into the daily habit of calling two of them and leaving a direct message, then you are making a more of an impact than you could possibly imagine. And it, once you make the first five calls, the fear factor goes away. Um, and it, it really is incumbent upon us if we are a government that is supposed to be led by the people that the people speak. So if nothing else, uh, if that became, if political action came out of this pandemic, then that would be a silver lining that I, I could be happy about. Well, this is right at the fork, and that was Erica Palmer of Platon Pitchfork, who has kind of taken the um, the reins for a lot of the small business restaurant owners in Portland to advocate on their behalf, both in Salem and in Washington. Um, and uh, she's done a remarkable job doing so. And uh, of course, this came out of left field for everybody, including Erica. So um, I'd been seeing all she's been doing to um, advocate on behalf of our of our restaurants. Um, they're all independent. And as she points out, in this uh, interview, you know, the large corporations have lobbyists to be able to get what they want or further their causes in Washington and Salem, independent restaurant owners, you know, there are organizations in the state and, and nationally, but they don't have anybody to really advocate for their specific needs, which are really drastic right now in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic now. So Erica has taken the reins and it's a great interview. We, this would be the fourth, I believe, or the fifth in the series of these right at the moment podcasts where we're talking to folks about the effects and um, what they might be able to do to help and survive uh, both um, both from a health standpoint and economically from this uh, this thing that came out of left field so erica um, gives us things that you can specifically do regarding who to call and what to say and also uh, what to be on the lookout for in terms of relief that might be coming your way or might be coming uh, to save and help uh, some of the restaurants you know and love, including farmers, all the suppliers. There are so many people in the chain involved. So um, we were happy to get Erica to spend a few minutes with us because she's really busy um, doing this thing that she didn't, she's doing voluntarily. So uh, it's really, really commendable of her to do. And so um, we will get you into the interview right now. We appreciate it. Uh, this was recorded on Friday, uh, the 27th of March, uh, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. As we've said, things change by the day. She'll talk about some legislation that was just passed um, and how that affects everybody. So we'll try to get this out there as soon as possible. And uh, you can look forward to more 
interviews with restaurant owners and other people in our Portland food world who have been affected by this. And of course, we invite you to go back into our archives, which, by the way, are seven years old now. Uh, many, many interviews, 200 plus interviews with Portland folks. But most, uh, in a, most re uh, importantly, in the last week, we've interviewed uh, Craig Peterson of Ringside Steakhouse, John Gorham of Toro Bravo, Inc., and you know, all, you know and love all his restaurants. And uh, we talked to Mike Zupan um, of Zupan's Markets, our sponsor. Those first two were our sponsors as well. And also Kurt Huffman of Chef's Table Group. So go back and take a listen to those if you'd like. But surely subscribe to the podcast so you can hear what's coming down the pike over the next Oh, we don't know how long, month or two, how, however long it takes to um, to get some of these stories out until we return to our normal podcast function. Thank you very much for listening. I neglected to say that I'm Chris Angelus, and my podcast partner is Court Johnson, who isn't here with me, and we are recording this podcast in rudimentary fashion from my home using one cell phone on speaker and another recording it. Um, we've made, we're trying to work on other ways to do it that are very easy for our guests because we realize they are all time challenged right now. And the last thing we want to do is get them involved with uh, technology and how to hook up with us and then have technical difficulties when we do. This is very simple. It doesn't sound quite as good, but we think you're going to get the information. And we hope you understand that these are extraordinary times. So this is an unnormal podcast methodology. And um, we thank you so much for listening. Here's Erica Palmer of Plate and Pitchfork. And you can find her website at platenpitchfork.com. So you've been doing some incredible work. Thank you so much on behalf of everybody. You know, everybody's fighting their own battles, but it's pretty good to have someone who's, in, who's knowledgeable and smart and going about fighting a, the big battle on behalf of the whole industry. Thanks. It's, um, it's an odd position to be in. Yeah, well, and no one elected you. You took it upon no. yourself. So. No, I'm fire. Pardon me? But, well, I mean, the truth of the matter is that I was brought into this because I got a text from Doug Adams asking if I could help. Um, and then my, respond, my, my response to help sort of got a little out of control. Yeah, well, is it, still, is it still spinning out of control or do you think you have a little control on it now? No, I mean, it's, I just think I ran with it further than, I mean, I was not asked to do the work that I am doing now. I was asked to help them figure out how to get the governor to respond to the need to take action to close restaurants. Right. That has grown to something that is much larger. So how big is it now? Where is it now? Well, um, I have become a member of the... Um, sort of the, the steering committee, the leading committee, the formation committee, I don't even know what we're officially calling ourselves. Um, the Independent Restaurant Coalition launched a nationwide effort this past week to give independent restaurants a voice at the table in Washington, D.C., and I have become a policy advisor to that team and have been involved in 
twice daily conference calls as we try to navigate the CARES Act, which just passed, and get more legislative concepts into the right hands in D.C. so that the next relief bill more um, adequately addresses the needs of small businesses. So I'm doing that on a national level. And then on a local level, I've been trying to advocate for restaurants and all of the impacted industries from the restaurant closure at a state level. If you think about it, at the state, we have big lobbying organizations like the Oregon Farm Bureau and the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association and um, other large groups who are doing very, very good work but don't have longstanding relationships with the little guys. So the smaller independent restaurants in Oregon don't necessarily feel like their voices are being heard with the Lodging Association. And so one of the things I've been trying to do recently is bridge that gap and make sure that the specific needs of small businesses are heard in Salem so that we get some local policy that will support the recovery that's needed as well. And then one call, if you can't figure out what the new health department regulations mean and how they impact your kitchen, people are calling me. If the unemployment website crashes, people are calling me. If um, the small business disaster loan program suddenly goes offline, I hear about it. So I'm just sort of this. In, informal 911 operator for small business emergencies. Wow. And the, two weeks ago, or maybe three, not something that you even had on your radar. Like I, I'm sure, isn't it at this time that you're usually putting together your, you have your schedules put together and starting to sell your plate and pitchfork dinners online? Yeah, I would have been announcing the schedule on March 21st, as I always do, but I do provide technical assistance to small agricultural and culinary producers um, as part of a contract that I have with Travel Oregon. So this is not unfamiliar work to me. Mm -hmm. It's just um, amplified a million times. So can you recap? Is it easy for you to recap exactly so far in Oregon and what the federal government has done and what is in place to assist uh, the restaurants, small, you know, small, the smaller restaurants in town or in the state? Um, well, statewide, there have not been any state of Oregon broad-based programs announced. There are some USDA rural economic development dollars available for farmers, um, which helps, you know, some of the suppliers, um, the, you know, restaurant suppliers. There are some localized efforts, like City of Gresham is offering a grant program. Uh, City of Portland has offered some financial assistance. Um, but we haven't seen any legislative action at this point from the state of Oregon to offer the broader assistance that will be needed, um, like changes to the unemployment insurance benefits, um, placing a moratorium on commercial eviction. Uh, changes to the way payroll tax is paid. None of those things have happened yet. So there are two things. Um, you know, the bill that we saw out of the Senate today is a great first step, but there's a lot of work that is going to need to be done at a federal level and at a local level. And one of the ways that anybody, whether they're a part of a restaurant or whether they're just a citizen, um, is to use their voice. There is no action 
participation in any political activity without phoning off the hook. And so one of the biggest ways that anybody can help is to take five minutes a day and call their legislators and ask for what they need. And if you're not a restaurant owner, you're not a small business owner, that simply means picking up the phone. Like, like if you're, if your folks are listening to this on um, a week that the Oregon legislature is in session, picking up the phone and calling their house rep and saying small businesses and independent restaurants are important to me, please help them, goes a long way. You know, we often hear people say things like, oh, the corporations shouldn't get this money. Well, corporations have big lobbying firms having their voices heard all the time. Small independent businesses don't have that lobbying force, and so they depend on the public to help support them. So one of the biggest things people can do is pick up the phone. And I know that making a call to a political figure can be scary. Uh, Nine times out of ten, you're going to get voicemail. It's really easy. You can call any time of the day or night. And when you make that call, that voicemail is being tallied. There is literally somebody checking off a box of yes and no or supportive restaurants, not of, you know, supportive dentists, supportive McDonald's. There there are check boxes. So using your voice is first and foremost, the most important thing people can do. Um, Those GoFundMe campaigns, I cry every time I read every single one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you do to support the community that has been so desperately impacted and that, you know, really expands beyond food service. There is a tremendous need for folks that were already food insecure. You know, um, when there's not food flowing through the system, places like the local food banks are in dire need of both healthy volunteer support and financial assistance. And then I'm not a huge fan of the gift certificate buying. And I know that I'll I'll probably catch some flack for that, but if you're buying a gift certificate today, um, if you're not holding on to it yourself and you pass it to somebody else, there's a very likely chance that that person's going to use it at a time when the restaurant's really not ready to, receive that gift certificate and there's also the possibility that if you say you're closed and a bunch of people are buying gift certificates you have no way to control them not all showing up the first day that you open and wanting to claim their gift certificate so that's just sort of a a tricky proposition there are a number of funds um Locally, Family Meal PDX is doing an incredible job getting direct financial assistance to service industry folks and agricultural um, folks. And I would say, like, when everybody's hunkered down right now, if you have a favorite charity, like, today is the day to make a donation. All right. So just to go back a little bit, where do people find the numbers of their representatives to call? What's the easiest way to do that? If you are looking for your Oregon legislators, the people that are governing in Salem, you would go to OregonLegislature.gov, and bottom right-hand corner of the screen, there is a place for you to enter your zip code, and it tells you who who your representatives are. And if you want to be in touch with our representatives in D.C., you can go to whoismyrepresentative.com and you can search by zip code or by state and it will list all of the members of your DC delegation. Well, those are that's simple. That's not hard to do. I know it's very yep. tough for people to pick up a phone to actually dial their phone and not text nowadays, but uh, this is a time to um, to get in the mode of doing that. 
Well, let me just say that if you cut every single moment of this interview with me, here's the one piece I would love you not to cut. <laughs> Look up your representatives, figure out who they are, put their numbers in your cell phone, label them whatever you want. And if you get into the daily habit of calling two of them and leaving a direct message, then you are making a more of an impact than you could possibly imagine. And it once you make the first five calls, the fear factor goes away. Um, and it, it really is incumbent upon us if we are a government that is supposed to be led by the people that the people speak. So if nothing else, uh, if that became, if political action came out of this pandemic, then that would be a silver lining that I, I could be happy about. Um. That is, uh, that's some truly easy and good advice that you can give. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say doing that and making those calls may even have more of an impact than a vote in November. Oh, don't you dare. You better vote. Oh, I'm not saying not to vote. No, 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 no. I'm just <laughs> saying if we're all looking to take some action and we can't, let's put it this way, we can't do anything other than the primaries until November. Here's something we can do to use up that that energy yeah. that we have to want to accomplish something. In the meantime, does that sound better? I would never encourage anybody not to vote. That wasn't so, the point. Um, when... He who shall not be named was elected. I took a pledge with a good friend that every day I would take at least one political action to protect something I hold dear from the destruction of of, of America as we knew it. Um, so it has been 1,162 days since he actually took office. Um and there were obviously days before that. I, I think I'm on something like 1,220 days of political action. Um, it just becomes a habit like anything else. And because those numbers are in my phone, it takes me no time at all to have my voice heard. Uh, so um, I can't commend you enough for doing that. I haven't been, been as diligent as that. I've just been whining and complaining and posting which doesn't really go so far, honestly. We're preaching to the choir on Facebook, um, for the most part. Um, yeah. But um, let me ask you this. You have, you know, you've been, how many years for Plate and Pitchfork now? 15? 18. 18. See how, I usually add two years to everything, and I didn't do it then, and I missed, even with that, I missed by one. 18 years of plate and pitchfork dinners. Um, you know that we've had interviews on Right at the Fork. I interviewed for you for a public in a publication years ago that I believe that plate and pitchfork dinners go to the heart of the matter in as being an Oregonian and a food lover and a wine lover in Oregon. And so um, everybody's got to do one at least one of those dinners a year, and if not more. Um, but it is... It is truly for a good cause um, for uh, to support farmers and also to get people out at the source of the food and realize where it's coming from. And on top of that, for me, it is a perfect Oregon summer evening every time I've gone to one of your dinners to experience getting out of the city, being with farmers and people who love food and our chefs uh, and winemakers too. So that being said, um, 
are your dinners going to be affected? Do you know yet this year what's going to happen? I mean, usually they're scheduled in the summer. Right now, we don't know how that's going to look. But where do you stand with that now? Um, we had pause. I mean, I, I appreciate how much you enjoy our dinners, and I definitely think that our dinners have a, a place not only in Oregon but in our lives in terms of connecting um, eaters to the people and places that grow their food and also raising money for you know, organizations like Farmers Ending Hunger, but we have a lot more to deal with right now. And so I've just sort of pressed pause um, and shifted my efforts into supporting the industries that have always supported me and making sure that our farms have restaurants to deliver to and the farms have resources to, you know, share the product that they've been growing for restaurants now with the general public. Um, And when the time is right, we'll, we'll see if there will be a season of some sort. Um, you know, we certainly don't know how long this virus is going to stick around, nor do we know what the new um, workplace safety and health codes will be as a result of the pandemic. So we just sort of hit pause. And um, I'm in the unique position to be able to do that. You know, I'm a one woman show. And I certainly have a crew of, of college kids who are eager to get to work, especially now that they're all at school on their computers instead of on their campuses having a good time. Um, but we'll, we'll figure out what Clayton Beach work looks like in a few weeks when we start to see what the recovery is really going to look like. And once we flatten the curve of this damn thing and make sure that our community is healthy from a physical perspective and a economic perspective. Yeah, we're recording this on uh, the 27th of March, and I think as of this morning, it really, or or last couple of days, it really ramped up in the United States and here in Oregon. I'm out in Tillamook County. We just had our first case, and this is all without test, without much testing at all. So once there's testing, these numbers are going to ramp up even further. It's scary. Yeah. yeah, they are scary. So yeah. how how are you holding up at at with Ozzy? How's your sheltering in place working uh, working for you? Ozzy and I are happy. We are both um, we're both very comfortable being hermits. As long as Ozzy gets his nice long dog walk, he's happy to just be sitting with me all day. And uh, I have enough engagement with people over the phone and by video conferences that. Um, by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I don't want to talk to anybody anyway. So um, we're, we're good. We're fine. We've actually been sheltered in place for 24 days at this point. Really? And that long? That's that You started very early on. Well, I'm the daughter of a physician. Um, I do want to just go back to one of the things we talked about. I had mentioned that you know it would be great if people would consider making donations to charities that they loved. I do factually have a factually correct piece of information about the CARES Act. It is um, allowing you to deduct more of your donations, so that's another way to you'll you'll get a you'll get a deduction on your tax return if you make a donation to your nonprofit cause that you care about, which was something that we lost this year. So a little more incentive to get out there and support your community. Good. Thanks for bringing uh, bringing everybody up to date on that. I wasn't aware of either side of that coin. So. Um, <laughs> flowing into my inbox as we're talking and so you know i'm again i am there i'm not an accountant i'm not a legislator i'm not a planner 
But, well, but you're doing a, you're doing a great job with what you're doing, and I, we may check in with you again. As you know, as you probably know, this podcast has never been a news uh, a news program. It's just interviews with people and their background. So we turned it into a little more um, of a you know, an opportunity to keep up a, up to date and talk to people like you. Um, who have important information to impart and hear some of the trials and tribulations that people are going through. And it's really, it's really awful. But with the help of you, Erica, and a lot of other folks, and you leading the charge, I think, um, let's hopefully get out of this sooner rather than later and, and have some restaurants standing tall and proud. I certainly hope that that is the case. Yeah, well, some things are so. At least we have some things in place now that we can look at and think. Okay, there are programs as opposed to a week, week and a half ago, where no one knew anything. They were just praying. So, oh, we, oh, we didn't have a two trillion dollar economic stimulus package. So it's not perfect, but it is definitely a start. Right. I have a question for you that dawned on me before. Do you know? <laughs> I'm not asking you to know, but. With with state programs and city programs in Portland, you know we know Portland has a budget shortfall. Where where would they come up with the funds to support these programs? Public private partnerships. Okay, so, so it's, a, it's a little little bit like the public broadcasting system. Yeah, I mean, if you um, the Oregon Community Foundation announced last week a fund that was specifically dedicated to recovery, and I don't. I don't know exactly where those funds were distributed. Um, you know, we've seen people like Phil Knight step up and make contributions through that fund. Um, there, you know, there are ways to, to leverage tax programs. And there's a lot of creativity um, for economic development that I am not at all suited to talk about. But um, it's out there. And, you know, if you like this, I mentioned the city of Gresham is working on a project Um I've seen a number of grant programs through smaller organizations. Um, you know, I think there's a lot happening. Um, I do also, because, you know, I'm re reading as things go on in this conversation, the legislation will give single adults who reported adjusted gross income of $75,000 or less on their 2019 tax returns a one-time check for $1,200. Okay. Well, I also read that if, you, if one has not... Uh, filed their 2019 return yet, they are defaulting to 2018 as well. I don't know where yeah. I read that, but I think that's the case. I read that, in, yes, but there it is a one-time check, not a monthly check. Well, that could change, too, if there's pressure, uh, on, pressure on yeah. Washington. You know, Canada is doing $2,000 a month as long as this goes on. So, I knew I should. And they and they don't have to pay for health care either. So not to get into that argument, but it is good. It is maybe some of uh, some other countries that are doing the right thing will be a model for perhaps not the White House, but other legislators to look at and um, and see that it can be done uh, in different ways than we're looking at it. So. Um, all right, it's Friday and it's late, and I know you've been working all day, and I sincerely appreciate your taking the time to do this, Erica, and I'm sorry I was not available when I said I was going to be earlier, but um, we're, in, we're in extraordinary times, and, uh, you know, if nothing else, 
some things are happening um, that would not necessarily have happened otherwise. So being able to just connect with you, it's been a while since we've spoken. So it's my, uh, it's my privilege to say hello and maybe we can jump on the phone at some point if you have some time and just chat off, off and not be recorded at the. <laughs> All right, Chris, I appreciate your time. Okay, I appreciate yours, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you, Erica. Bye. Appreciate it. This has been Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus, from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm Court Johnson. This podcast is supported by Zupan's Markets, the Toro Bravo Inc. Restaurant Group, and Ringside Steakhouse. Zupan's Markets has adjusted their daily hours, open daily now from 8 to 8 p.m., to better serve both the customer and employee allowing them to keep the market stocked and clean each day. They're also offering senior and immune-compromised early shopping hours on Mondays and Thursdays from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. And now they're also offering some great ready-to-eat meals that will serve four featuring roasted salmon, vegan tamales, roasted chicken, classic meatloaf, and much more. If you order by noon, you can pick up that day, and they're even offering curbside pickup. Get full details right now at zupans.com. You can support the Toro Bravo Inc. restaurant group by ordering takeout at some of their locations or by simply purchasing a gift card to use later. You can find out which restaurants are open for to-go orders and get those gift cards at torobravoinc.com. Ringside Steakhouse, a Portland institution for over 75 years, is looking forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, you can purchase gift cards on their website where they're now offering bonus gift cards. For example, if you purchase a $300 e-gift card, you'll receive a $50 bonus dining gift card. And with the purchase of a $500 e-gift card, you'll get a $100 bonus dining card. You can get full details at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 